welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. Bam, that took a minute. What, what time are we at? We're 12 minutes late. Sorry, everyone, we're 12 minutes late. We were at a 90th birthday party for my wife's grandmother, and it went a little bit over, and I ate about 79 Baby Ruths, which I don't usually eat candy, but, I mean, they were just sitting there in that bowl saying, hey, man, let's hang out. Um, so it is the last week for a lot of us before spring break. Some of you have already had spring break. Some of you are, are looking forward to spring break. I leave for Belize at 4.30 in the morning. I have to be at the airport tomorrow morning with my students. Um, and we are going to Belize for seven days. And so I am really, really looking forward to it. We're doing everything from visiting a school there to doing zip lining. We're going to check out some like Mayan temples and do a whole bunch of other stuff there too. So it's going to be fun and i am i'm looking forward to it and the beauty is it bleeds right into my spring break so like i don't have uh any like going back to school when i come back from my trip so um i'm seeing everyone popping on here uh sarah child's made it um she's been trying to make it for a while and the scottish teaching ninja i don't know what time it is or the i'm sorry change you uh i don't know what time it is in scotland but you lily flower um kaylin miller who i sent you back a very long comment today um if you need anything else please email me at real wrap with the reynolds at gmail.com and i'd be happy to help you with anything uh so lauren i see popping up there um it's 10 p.m in scotland right now it is 5 14 p.m here in New Jersey, in the great state in the garden state here. Still light out. Um, and still light out. But I no, I feel like Scotland it's like light later no, during the day. Right. Like when we were in London once, like I remember it was like I feel like it was like eleven o'clock at night and it was still light out and we couldn't believe all the restaurants had closed <laughs> or something. So um so again, if this is the first time you're ever seeing this, the idea here, my my, my idea, this can be anything you want it to be. The idea here is maybe to have something that, uh, you know, when teachers get something that is often referred to as like the Sunday scares, um, they are freaking out on Sunday nights, especially if it's right before spring break, or especially if you just had spring break and you don't have anything prepped for the week and you're like not sure what to do with it. How can we help you figure out something to do? So there's two things you could do here. You could either just listen and check out other people's questions and maybe ask a question. That would be something you could do. Or you can find someone in the comment section and maybe like uh, leave, uh, like connect with them in some way. Uh, I know a lot of YouTube channels and I'm not trying to like say that I'm better, but um, just a thing that I'm noticing that's different sometimes is I really like the engagement in the comment section. I really think it's a great place for you to like meet other teachers and learn from other folks and see what else you know, somebody else has to say that might, you know, their situation might align with yours more. Um, what are Sunday scares? Uh, Lily, those are when teachers start freaking out on Sunday night that nothing this week is going to go right, that their lesson plans are not done, that they can't think of what the heck they're going to teach this week or how they're going to teach it. So they just start stressing on Sunday nights. And so I wanted to do something on Sunday nights to kind of like you know, let everyone know that you're not in this alone. We're all in this together. And how can we act as a community 
to help one another out. And so let's uh, let's do that. So whatever questions you have, um, I'm willing to take. I spoke so while I'm waiting for that. I'm just going to talk about like what I've been doing because uh, I didn't get a video up again this week because I had I'm getting ready for Belize. And there were uh, things, um, meetings with my son's school, meetings with advocates, meetings with lawyers, meetings with all kinds of stuff. And then I spoke at St. Joe's yesterday, which ended up being like the whole day. And it was really great. I had zero voice left at the end of it. But, you know, a couple of things that stood out were one, as a teacher, when people willingly listen to you and they want to hear what you have to say, it is incredibly interesting because it's like everyone's listening to you. They're taking notes about what you're saying, not because they have to, or because they're going to get a grade, but just because they want to, it's like kind of freaks you out a little bit. And then I sat on a panel with my, who I teach with, and she is wildly awesome for any number of reasons. And one of the things I think attracts me to her the most is the fact that she is completely different than I am. Like, Grew up in California. Like we both teach in West Philly now. Grew up in California. She's a Korean woman, um, immigrant parents, and just crushes it at our school. She's just a great, great teacher. And our personalities are very, like, they could more opposite, but we are very good friends. And it just makes it really fun to, like, to show that, you know, you don't just have to be one type of way to be a good teacher. You could be, you know, you can look as different from any as you do, and you can still find great amount of success. Um, so I'm just looking on the side here. Argentina, geez, man. Adriana, that's that's so far. Uh, Morocco, gee, preparing my lesson plans right now. What time is it in Morocco? It's going to be like the middle of the night, I would think. Um Freshmen starting to kill a mockingbird in honors English. Any tips? Uh, Game Crow, I would say, first of all, I love to kill a mockingbird. Finch is like one of my favorite literary characters of all time because he's the real deal. Um, And I really like the idea that before she wrote that book, um, Harper Lee had a much different idea. And they ended up publishing this other idea that she had, which I didn't, I feel some type of way about that. But they, you know, she wasn't sure what her characters were going to be. And it just kind of, um, but he is the most steadfast character. Uh, one of the most I've ever read, unflinching, um, super kind, thinks of others before he thinks of himself. And I just think that those are attributes that I, that make that book stand the test of time. Like there's certain books that we read now in school that I'm not really sure all the time, like why we read it. Like I think you know, and, and I don't want to get it like, uh, like pissing off any English teachers, but if I think about something like, um, what's the other one, the kid in the, in the hotel room in New York city, uh, catcher in the rye, probably when that book came out, it was really wild and like people couldn't believe it. But, um, I don't know. I think it's sometimes things kind of like lose their luster over, over time. And I think there's reasons to read that book. And I think that's still an interesting book, but there's something about To Kill a Mockingbird that I think just shows you what human beings beings can be. And I'd also say there's nothing wrong. I tell my students this all the time with like 
you don't understand a book, you're not sure what you just read, look it up online. Like things like SparkNotes aren't the greatest thing in the world. They don't give you all the information that you need. And sometimes it's depending on what websites you use, they're wrong and what was happened in the book. But when we read things like the Odyssey, there's so much going on there. There's so much backstory to everything that it's like, look things up online, have a conversation about it uh, with someone to find out like, other, like, don't just, you know, try and focus on like just what you're pulling out of the book. Like it's cool to like look other places to see what people are doing. So which one do I read first? This that one. one. Okay. Lauren um, Deerdorf. I think I'm saying that right. I had a student that I became pen pals with. Awesome. Um, after I left school and after school, I was after the school I was at and her letters became concerning to me. I was her emotional support uh, system or her only support. She's I'm reading like a champ tonight um, system prior to me leaving. And I have to talk to her mom about it, but I, but it wasn't helpful. The concerning letters keep coming. I haven't been replying to them. I'm not sure if you have any advice. That is, that's a really interesting comment because I think one of the things that came up at St. Joe's yesterday even was how do you like not, there's this very fine line between teacher and mentor sometimes or between friend and mentor and how do we do that? And so I've written with students before, kept up with kids and then going to find out that like someone was doing something weird. You know, they were like, they were cutting or they were hurting themselves in some other way or um, like seeing what drilling. And so I'd say the first thing I would do is I would contact her school um, parents, I, you know, it might be, I want to say just contact the parent, but I, I'm not sure. I, I'm, I'm wondering if contacting the school is a better option because they are going to have, you know, systems in place that can really help. Uh, I've, I've dealt with things before where like parents didn't kind of like want to be honest about what was actually happening or the kid got some real big pushback from their parents because of what, because they were like oh. contacting with a parent or, Wait, or something like further that. Further down, it says her mom is also helping her send his letter. She's nine now. I don't know if continuing contact is the right choice. So the mom, so it sounds like the mom, like, yeah, as a mentor. And, and she's nine. nine. I would, I would contact the school, whatever school she's a part of and just tell them like what your role is. And then see what that I would stop. And this is why even I think even if she just knows you're listening, um, I wouldn't be worried about giving bad advice. Maybe just limit the amount of advice and just let her know they're listening. A lot of times I think that our, uh, you know, our attention is more important than our advice is. And so just listening to young people who don't feel like they have anyone else to listen to is is everything. I mean, you, you, you might very well be the only person that is, is listening to her. So I would go ahead and, you know, like I said, contact a, like a, whether it's the social worker at the school or the principal of the school and say, this is my situation. This is what's going on. I'm not really sure how to handle it because it's, you know, it was kind of this innocent thing that turned, you know, dark uh, and got a little bit deep and I'm not really sure kind of where to go with that. And then, take it from there because at the end of the day, like if that's, if you really want her to get better and, and to have something, 
I don't know, the, the help that she needs, um, counseling or therapy or something like that might be the best option for her. Um, what's your best? This is Madeline Keeler. And so let me, I, I, Madeline, I'm going to answer your question uh, real quick. But who was that name? Lauren. Lauren. That's my fast answer. If you want to talk about this more, we could do, you could email me. Maybe we could talk on the phone or something like that. Um, I don't, because I feel like that's a really heavy topic and that's what's jumping off my head at the, from the jump. But as I think about this tonight, it might, I might think like, gosh, I really wish I would have told her this, this, or this. So maybe email me at real rap with the Reynolds at Gmail. And I'd be happy to talk about that more with you. Um, and now back to Madeline. Madeline is saying, what is your best first year teacher tip? My best tip that I wish I knew, and I, I guess I did innately, but is to not wait to be the kind of teacher that you always dreamed of being, right? Everyone has this idea of what your classroom is going to look like, what your relationships will look like, what your class trips and your lessons and who you're going to be in the hallway and in the students' lives. And then when you get to the school, maybe maybe everyone's not as stoked to be there as you. Maybe the teachers are old and kind of tired. Maybe uh, they don't want to let you into the clique that they've been a part of for the last 10 or 12 years or, or longer. Um, maybe you get a crappy room. Maybe you're the cart teacher. Cart teachers. And, you know, I just... God bless you. God bless you. Because it's you push a cart around all day and then have to use other people's rooms that are not set up. And then you lose time in the beginning and the end of class because you're pushing your cart around. You're trying to set things up. Um, maybe it just doesn't go the way that you want. But I still think that you can reimagine like building the, the world in that school that you always wanted. Like make your own group of friends, find those other first year teachers and band together and make a group of friends together. Um, don't worry about what, if other people talk about the fact that you're eating lunch with the students. And if you're not allowed to eat in your room, go eat in the lunchroom with them or having crazy projects or elaborate ideas. And, you know, I think my other thing is don't be afraid to fail. It's a pretty safe bet. You're going to fail but that's a good thing. Like what's the worst thing that's going to happen? As long as kids don't catch on fire, I think like where you need to, to grow from there. But that's what I, I would say. What do you have? Uh, Kayla Miller is saying, I love to write, but hate to read any interesting books. I have, so that would bring me to, I, there's a, I don't know how, I'll link it in, in the description below as soon as I'm done this week. You write a note for that. Um, I have an Amazon store where I have links for a ton of books that my students are reading right now that they really like. My role in my, or like one of the things I do, not my role, is in classes I order any books that anybody wants. So no matter what they're interested in or what the reading level is, I'll order anything. And my idea there is that like kids are gonna get excited about reading because they're reading something that they wanted to read. So if you go to my Amazon store, they're all linked there. Um, and then I make like two cents off of that or something like that. But, you know, which my real reason for doing it was to just kind of get all of these resources in one place from because I get a lot of weird questions. Like, what do I use to do my hair? So it's linked to my Amazon thing in case you want your hair. My hair kind of looks like, but sucking up with a vacuum cleaner. Um, she teaches as asking. I teach eighth grade English. What do you feel the students should know 
going into freshman year English? Uh, so, hmm, that's an interesting question because I think a lot of the content that we teach, they start learning earlier on in like, even I see my son doing things in fourth grade that I still have my ninth graders kind of going over again and again. But I would say a couple of the things I think are interesting are one, sort of like finding out what your ninth grade policies are. So I don't do any extra credit and I don't do uh, makeup work in my class. I don't, I want kids to learn that things need to be done when they're due. And then there's no kind of makeup for that later because you know, it's what I think it's just one of those real life skills where if you get to the to Friday and your paycheck is for working 20 hours, you can't ask your boss for a bunch of hours real quick so that you can catch up. Like there's just no hours left. The week is over. You get what you kind of worked for. And the students don't always get that. A lot of times in middle school, they have teachers that let them make stuff up, make up like all the work at the end of the marking period or at the end of the year so that they can pass and I think that sends a bad message to the kids that were trying the whole trimester or so we do trimesters, but for the whole year or for the whole marking period, it was saying like, no, you could really just cry at the end or tell me how much trouble you're going to get. And then I'm going to give you this work to make up. And I just, I don't like that sending that message. I deeply care about the kids. I really, really want them to do well. Uh, so much let you get away with that, even though I really like you and, and I really want I just the best for you. Um, you know, for me, if eighth graders coming up knew that sort of thing, then I would feel better about that. And I also think there's a real importance I put on in ninth grade is annotating books, right? So when you're reading, I don't, I literally don't have a book in my house that I own that I've read that doesn't have a million notes in the side. Things are underlined, things are highlighted, things are circled. There's tons of notes in the side. And I think the earlier we can get kids doing that, that sort of active reading, or they're not just passively reading, because, you know, how many times when you were in high school, did you read something or now do you read something and you get through it and you're like, I read it. I don't know what it was about, but I definitely spent time reading words for the last hour, you know? So if you're underlining and making notes and making connections and circling interesting things or words that you don't know, that sort of skill really is going to help you in high school because, you know, in high school, like they say, like, you know, in elementary school, you're learning to read and then it switches over at some point, like fourth, fifth grade, where you're reading to learn. <clears throat> but if you read like lazy, you're just not going to, you know, if you're not engaging with the text, it just doesn't go as well. So those are my two things that come to mind for that. Um, Sarah Surendra? I think I'm saying that right. Sarah says, I started teaching this year and my eighth graders hate me for some reason. What do I do? Someone uh, down here said it's, it's, they're just eighth graders. It is kind of, it is. Sometimes it's hormones. Uh, I don't know. So kids could hate you for any number of reasons. I, you know, it's real funny in the same class. I will have kids. I have a period, I've set seventh period every day. I've taught these guys for two years. And in that class, I have these twins, the Davis twins, that come in every day and tell me that I'm the, their favorite teacher in the whole world. They, they'll say things like, what's it like to be the greatest teacher ever? And then I tell them, I don't know, because I'm not Miss Cho um, <clears throat> or somebody else, whoever else I make fun of. But 
they, but in that same class, I have guys that come in and they're like, this is the worst period of my day. And then I just give them a hug and say, I'm so glad to see you. I'm so glad you're here. You know, thanks for keeping me humble. Um, so it's, you just can't tell sometimes like in the same class, you'll have these kids that love you and kids that like, can't stand you. Uh, you know, I would spend time trying to see what they do like, like letting them know. I think, I think sometimes we can't assume that kids know stuff. So letting kids know that you care about them, that you're happy that you're there, that you're happy they're there, that you're happy that you have this job, uh, you know, that, you know, and take it on as a challenge. Maybe find out some of the things that they like and then use those to inform your teaching in class. Maybe uh, have some kind of like party or even if it's for select individuals, like certain kids in that class that are buying and that are doing well, you have like a pizza party or um, pancake day, which is definitely coming up after spring break. Going to do pancake day in my room, which could be a little bit dangerous because I talked about setting kids on fire, but there's no fire involved. It's just a griddle. Um, so, and that's electric. So hopefully, I don't know, Mark's a little dangerous sometimes, but, um, we are, you know, doing something like that. So maybe you meet up with kids and their parents on a weekend and you go like on a short class trip or you see, you know, I have taken kids to movies before, uh, always weird movies, like stuff they wouldn't normally see. The beast is going to attack someone at the front door. Um, so I think, learning who your kids are even one by one can slowly win them over. And if you don't like sometimes there's certain years where the classes just aren't enjoyable or as enjoyable as other years. Like I've had classes where they just suck. Like they're just like, nothing's fun. You can't win. You can't do you. you it's you can't figure out a way to win them over. And it's just, you're kind of lost and, you know, it is what it is. So you just do your best. Who are you barking at? It's the same name, the same neighbors we've had forever. He just like growls at them like they're new people. Which one I'm looking at? Kimberly. I'm just going to stick with people's first names because I'm so bad at names. Let's just do that. I can say that word, but I don't want to butcher your name because it's probably really wonderful and you care about it because it's your legacy. Hey Reynolds, what is your best advice for teaching? assistant to be able to really be able to work with teachers well i would say oh man here's let me give you a little backstory on this kimberly i've have a co-taught classroom in the last three years i've had five co-teachers no one's lasted longer than a year one lady lasted one day i don't know what happened to her she just left i feel like the black widow of teaching co-teaching units sometimes um i would say Enter first of all, enter in with what they're doing. Don't try and bring your agenda to the table. Um, not at first, anyway. So you're like being a part of what they're doing and backing them in what they do. And then I would find a way to kind of silently insert yourself into situations with students. Like just find the kid who has a hard time paying attention, who has you know the wild ADHD that causes them to get up out of their seats. To find the kid that has the struggle reading or that has zero idea what's going on because he saw a cobweb in the corner that's silently, like slightly waving in the breeze every time someone opens the door. Like connect with those kids because that's going to allow the leap and it's going to allow those students that you're working with on the low to find some success 
bullied by someone else or their attention is elsewhere. You're so what you're doing is working as a team to like really get in with both of those groups. And I think that is like that sound like that teaching assistant job sounds awesome. Like you get to literally make kids lives change every single day um, in a way that lead teachers don't always have the ability to, because they're so busy, like teaching the lesson and making sure everyone's learning. You're like targeting those certain kids and like making them like rise to the occasion and giving them help that they would not otherwise have. So that sounds like an awesome job. What's next? Uh, so my friend, the Scottish revert teacher, uh, is saying, when are you having a school trip to Scotland? Man, yo, I would love to go. So my people are from Ireland and other places as well, but I would love to go to Scotland. So why don't we just, um, I can give you some good suggestions. We are going to Belize tomorrow. We went to Costa Rica last year. I think next year we'll see my fingers crossed. We're going to Greece. Um, maybe we get a layover in Scotland for a couple days and we can hang and do some Scottish stuff. Uh, Sarah Childs is asking Sarah Childs first time to the live feed is asking what are the hive minds? What are the hive mind thoughts on pulling kids out of school for a family vacation? I mean, do you ever get pulled out for a family vacation? I mean, we did for our own children. We did. Yeah, when we went to California. Yeah, then it's a great idea. Look, if the Reynolds are doing it, it's got to be all right. I mean, our kids are good people. Uh, What do you think think about that? I think you can turn anything educational. I like that you're – do you want to use like a little puppet or a finger you can talk with? Are you you popping in? Go ahead. (laughs) What are you saying? What's good? I think – oh, you're making me Oh, you're really coming in? The oh, yeah. snap. Uh, I How think, much paler I got all of a sudden. <laughs> I think family vacations are fine. I, To me personally, school's not the be all end all. And I think it's really important to take kids out. Like I think that learning, job. yeah, but learning happens in so many facets. It's For not sure. just, it's not just school. So that's that. Yeah. I would not have made a thought of that point of like, you know, the family vacation can be a learning experience as well. And so don't, don't just chalk it up to like time off, but keep that in mind as well. And give your kids something to look forward to. Like your grades have to be on point or um, I need you to make sure this, this, and this are done so that we can go on this trip. But to be honest, like summer's just not the optimal time for every trip. Like some places it's too hot or it's too crowded. Like we went to Disney in all and incredibly hot i would never go there again in the summer i would only go like during the school year yeah during the school year i would like figure out some kind of time to take off and go there's massive amounts of teaching going on there yeah like, yeah yeah the go to engineering F- go to and what it takes to do in disney there's all yeah you learn all kinds of stuff um so i think that that's i i would do it i think it's fine um what, what am i looking at now Sorry, I'm lost. Can I just pick one? Sure. Um, so Tiffany Tran is asking, have you ever considered teaching English abroad? If so, what countries would you like to visit? So I have. I have this kind of like uh, this idea that of going away for summers. Like so when we have off, my school has all of, off almost the entire month of June. We have off all of July and all of August. 
I mean, school doesn't start back till almost the middle of September. It's just crazy system because where I live, we don't count days of school that students need no. to be in. We count where you work, well, even where you live. Okay, so where I work, we count hours of school, not days of school. And since we go to school from eight to four, sometimes five every day, we accumulate hours. So like we never make up snow days. We can have two weeks off from school for snow days and we never have to make them up. So I have this idea and I would love to go everywhere is really in um, certain parts of Africa. So my wife and I lived in Zambia for two months, um, a very long time ago, like probably 2005, something like that, 2006. And that, you know, teaching kids that can't otherwise always get, you know, trained teachers to come in to teach them. Uh, I think like, uh, I don't know, where do you want to go? Where's that? Where were we talking about going? It was I'd all, love to go to Bali. Bali was the other place that we, we would love to go, but I would go anywhere. Um, so if you have a hookup, just let me know and maybe we can, we can make that happen because that would be awesome. Tiffany. Um, um no, there was another one. Tannis Brown is asking any tips for teaching students to write thesis statements in English. I'm in, I'm a student teacher who just got, uh, who just took on grade, who just took on grade tens who need some serious help with this. And my partner teacher is at a loss. Oh gosh. What would I say to that? So the funny thing is our school has this really great, I, I like this model where I'm teaching literature and someone else is teaching composition and they have those two different classes, ninth and 10th grade. So the students can just, they read five to six novels in my class. And then the other class is strictly writing about any number of different things and like diagramming sentences and all kinds of stuff like that. So I don't have an answer for that, but this is what I would tell you to do. If you email me at real with the Reynolds at gmail.com, I will, hook you up with either someone that will give you an answer or I can ask that person, my friend, Mr. Alam that I teach with, who has a really great class, what he does to, to do that. Because I know our students are very reluctant readers and writers a lot of the time. And so what, what sort of strategies does he use to make sure that his students um, are learning that, that skill? So just email me at realrapwiththereynolds at gmail.com and I can either, I'll either send you like his PowerPoints and stuff like that or I can just connect you with him directly and he'd be more ha than happy to share like anything he's got with you. Uh, Kaylee, mm -hmm. Kaylee Nicole is saying, um, um, I really like the way that she spells each first. And we are now talking about serious retentions for this year. How do you handle parents who don't want to retain their child, but they are obviously not where they need to be. That's a real, real tricky question. Um, I think I would say the same thing. I think most students are not where they need to be. Um, I, you know, I think it becomes, I think most things in life work better when they become a conversation. So your opinion or where, where you're coming from, right? Or your school's coming from is that the child needs to be retained and then making sure that you have those kind of facts straight and you have proof and you have, you know, all the stuff that you need to do to, to, to back up what you're saying. And then when, Parents talk about it like really listening to them and not just trying to like push your point, but hearing where they're coming from. Like, is it a social emotional issue? Is it 
um, have the fact to do with like all of their friends are in that grade and you're, they're worried about what is going to happen to them um, developmentally or, or, or self-esteem by staying back. And what can, you know, then after listening to that, like, what can you come back with to ensure them that this is the best move for their child, that they're going to actually learn and grow and become better students by having this action taken. Right now, we have a lot of students that are looking at repeating ninth grade in my school. And that is concerning on a lot of levels. But in, the, in a lot of ways, it's like, I, you know, I've, I've just seen it work for the better so many times where like kids stay back and it's just what they needed. I had a kid that graduated, had a twin brother. He stayed back in ninth grade. The twin brother went on. And then my man, Jasper, stayed back. And while his brother was in college, Jasper had like the greatest senior year ever. He went to Costa Rica with us. He went to, got to go meet Gary Vaynerchuk at uh, VaynerMedia in, in New York City. He was subject to all of these wonderful things that would never have happened otherwise. So I think if I was going to try and like communicate that to parents, I would want them to just be to rest assured that this is what I think is in the better, you know, this is what's the best for your kid and not come at it. And I'm not saying you are, but like, I just have heard this conversation a lot before not coming at it where like you are trying to like, you know, punish the child. Like you didn't do all your work. Guess what? You're staying back. And instead like, Nope, I think this is what's best for them um, because it's going to help them to thrive in life. And selling that to parents, this idea that like you care and you really, really want them to do well, and this is what's going to help them to succeed more. In, how can you argue with that? And you know, at the end of the day, if parents refuse and the child does move on, that's something that the parents going to have to kind of live with and deal with. Like uh, that, you know, the kid maybe they don't win in that situation, but like then you take it from there next year. So that is that's a really hard conversation. Um, Detroit teacher, what's up? No. Oh, wait, is that the one I'm looking at, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, but but that's, that's her name. Dude, that's Detroit teacher, man. I know. That's, that's her OG name. name. <laughs> this is her new name. Um, sticking up from the, you know. No, you didn't. I'm I stick with OG names. Um, hey, hey, Reynolds, I'm going to ask a hard question. I say this and people jump all over me. Should public education still require for children who can't live up to the standards? Oh, uh, are you Wait, saying, I have a question. Oh my gosh, is here we go. For, you just pushed me I out know, of the way. I know, because I'm passionate about this subject. So are you talking about education or kids that kind of just refuse to do the job or the work? I don't know. I just wonder, because yeah. it's there are two very different things. And I think that um, someone was just caught. Um, yeah, if, someone, if you want to talk, I think it's worse better. Someone... <laughs> Someone's just watching this on mute for a second. It looks like I lost interest. Um, someone somewhere, I, I don't remember where it was. It was, I saw it on Facebook. Um, so it's true. Yeah, but it was like about a senator or so, something like politically who's stating that, um, oh, shoot, I can't remember. Are you um, talking about special like, kids are slow learners? That guy? Yeah, that guy. Yeah, it was on, and it was like on whether if it was like worth kind of like even having them in education, which is like, yes. So my answer for that, I, I think that's a good point, or at least like 
I think it it's becomes, it is, but I think it becomes more, it's another one of those things becomes more of a conversation and it's more focused on the individual child and not any number, any group of children. Right. So, um, I have guys that I've had in the past and I'm thinking of a student I had several years ago that it, there wasn't like, so I tried to work with a student on my own brought the ninth grade team in and tried to rally around he and his family and try and like help him to grow and to, and to get like to do what needed to be done in ninth grade. Um, that didn't work. Counselors were brought in. The principal was brought in at the end of the day. It was my opinion anyway, that our school really lacked the resources for such a child. And so one of the things I see at my school, because I'm a child, are you, Tell me, hold so, on. Was she just, in the middle of the story. I know, but she just getting to the good part. Um, so you're saying I am talking about black children who are impoverished, who never live up to the standards. And every year I have to go through all these hoops to get them to pass. So, all right. So that's a different conversation. I would say, geez. So that that conversation changes to man. Um, I'm thinking because I know it sounds like we teach in very similar schools and deal with a lot of similar issues. I just think, all right, so this is probably a very unpopular answer, but um, sometimes kids graduate and there's no reason they should have graduated, right? Like there were, Someone changed grades probably, or someone got a little bit too much. Like there was things took place in which that child graduated and you know, damn well, there was no way that they, that, that should have happened. Right. I see this all over the place. I'm not talking just about like schools in Philly, but I'm sure this happens all over the country. At the end of the day, you have a kid who did not maybe work for it or kids that didn't have the skill or the school didn't have what they needed to have. And so to look good, they just kind of pushed that kid through. So they didn't have to fight some kind of legal battle or they didn't have the special ed department to like sort of give that kid the resources they needed to be successful. I just think if you take a kid like that and they're not in school, an argument can be made where like, you know, what are they doing then? Right. They're, they're kids. They don't know what to do. And so are there, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking about like sometimes having a high school diploma is just going to help you in life. Sometimes not having a high school diploma makes you look dumb and makes you look like you you were a dropout or you couldn't cut it and you had to leave or you got kicked out. So I think that argument can be made too. Where like I just get it sometimes. Like you know, I'm not saying that's right. I think education is one of those. It's like the most ridiculous thing in terms of not having funding like how do we ever have to have the argument of not having funding for children or like that kids aren't safe like we have to the fact that that march that happened yesterday even had to happen is so absurd because they are kids they are the future of our country they are what everyone like every i would walk up through fire for my children right so why can't we just shift like the budget so that we have this, you know, in the overarching scheme, like a very minuscule amount of money to make our kids school safer and to give them all the resources that they need and to make sure that they are, you know, 
being taken care of in the right way. <clears throat> so I don't know that I would ask them to leave. I just think what I would do for individual students is maybe like have the conversation of, is a better, is there a better school for you? Is there, you know, I, I just think that some kids like learning a trade is better for you than going to college. Some dudes like do not have the capacity or what it takes mm -hmm. to kind of go through college and college has been so watered down anyway, that like everyone has a college degree. It's not like it, it means as much as it used to. And even now, like every, so many people have master's degrees that that seems like it's starting to kind of be watered down sometimes as well. So maybe you could help those individual students like figure out like, is a trade a better move for you? If you're going to college, what are you going for? Is it because everyone says you got to go to college and that's the road to success? Or is it something else that is driving you there? Um, like you want to be a teacher. So you have to play the game and go through college if you want to be a teacher. You can't do it otherwise. Um, so I think it becomes an individual student conversation and not like an overarching conversation. But I mean, I hear that population that you're speaking to, and that is like, that's all I've ever worked with. And that is a hundred percent where my heart is. And that's what keeps me in teaching. Um, so yeah, I hear, I hear your struggle with that situation. I'm not sure my answer was a whole lot of help, but that's what I got. Um, Bubba the Raider. That is an amazing name. Um, I, so I have a student that we call Hubba Bubba. And so that's just made me think of him. Any tips for a first year teacher in terms of organization? I feel so disorganized all the time. I just want to be the best teacher possible. Um, and then you're going to say something nice. So I guess I'll read it. It says you're an inspiration. Thank you. I don't like compliments. I really struggle with them. Even though I'm 41 years old, I should probably get over that. Um, I would say for me, organization is huge. I should do like an organization video. Um, I have a place for everything in my room and I keep everything in its place. Most of the time, I would say a couple of quick things that I would tell you to do is for me, I'm not, maybe this relates to, to your school and who you are and what classes you have and stuff like that. But, um, really simple things are, I have a whole big pile of work that like where things get handed in, I just have a bin and I put everything in there, right? Instead of having 27 things all over my desk, there's a bin that when my students come in, that's where completed work goes. I also do, um, a, and I have one for each period and the, the, what we need for those classes. So there are journals in there, which are just composition books. There's a folder that hangs across the back that all of their work goes into so that I can hand that back. Um, another trick I've tried that has worked most of the time is my seats. So if I have 25 kids in a class, I put everyone in alphabetical order, starting in the front left, and then they go alphabetically back. And then I jumps over to the next row and then they go alphabetically up this way. And the idea there is that when I'm handing papers back, they're all alphabetized and I can just go walk up and down the aisles, like, like a snake kind of to hand those back and it just takes way less time because you're not going from over here and then finding someone else's paper who's all the way on that side of the classroom and then someone over here and then someone over here and then someone in the middle and you're tripping over book bags. That helps a lot. I've also tried numbering those seats so that each student, when they write their name on the paper, they're supposed to write their number next to it. That way, when I'm alphabetizing them, I no longer have to look at last names and figure out who's alphabetized. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Or if you're in a seat because they're 
they were like um, a distraction or something in the class where they needed to sit closer to the front because they couldn't see or something like that. You don't have to worry about the alphabet, uh, the alphabetization. I don't know. Whatever. The, you are just looking at the numbers. So they write their number next to it. And then you walk through those numbers also. And that is a way easier way to hand things back as well. And then um, I think if anything else, I would say, even in terms of my desk, like everything has a spot and I label everything so that I know this is where my paper clips go. And I have a thing on there. It says paper clips so that I remember like the big ones go here and the small ones go here. And behind my desk, I have everything has its own drawer and staples go in one place and glue goes in another place. Because what that helps me with is I am the classroom that if someone needs a screwdriver or a hammer or rubber cement or tape or a rubber chicken, I am the guy that they go to. So I have everything clearly labeled in my room. So if someone needs something, I can tell them where it goes. And if I need kids to help me clean up, they know exactly where everything goes because everything's labeled and has a name on it. And I don't even use fancy labels. I use masking tape because it's way faster than and cheaper. Because, you know, teaching the hood, dream on a budget. Um, teacher Geek is saying, hello, I'm... So happy to finally have made the live feed. I'm glad that you made it too. I am in school right now for special education degree. God bless you. If I could go back in time, that's 100% what I would have went to school with. Uh, I have one year left. I am vlogging my journey, and I want to know how you work with SPED, is that what it says? SPED teachers. Um, I'm wanting to know what your school is like working with special education teachers. I am writing a paper on the importance of collaborating as a whole team. Uh, so one of my best friends in the school is the special ed director. So that helps, you know, cause we hang out together anyway. I think it also is, might be a little different for me just because that's kind of where my heart is. I deal with a lot of that stuff with my own kids and that like I, once my own children started getting IEPs and going through the special ed program, it created stuff such as I don't know the space in my heart for kids that were, you know, I felt like we're being underserved or that we're not being listened to, or, you know, the fact that like one in five children has dyslexia and we don't look at that as a society. We like pretend it's going to go away or that it only happens to boys or that um, it's not a real thing or they'll, don't, don't worry, they'll catch up. And then they end up in ninth grade and they're on a second grade reading level. And we're like, bro, When's the catching up? Is that going to happen magically? We sprinkle unicorn tears on people. Like what's going on here? So I think we do. Uh, so my school does trackers every two weeks or a month. I forget what the date is. We do. I have to like constantly like track the things that are uh, that we're doing um, to help students achieve or to, to, to show like where we put their modifications in. Um and that's a thing um, that we do, but it's, I think a lot of times when things are official, it becomes kind of tricky because it becomes sort of clinical, right? It's like, uh, you know, you're doing it and it's important, but for me, it's always um, creating a group of, of individuals around certain students that you really care about and you really think need the extra help. So I think letting students know, especially students in special education, that they 
are cared for, that people are noticing that there's something that needs help? And then what are the individuals that teach them as a whole going to work on to help that kid succeed? Because so many times you see IEPs, and I get this from a lot of people that email me, where they get these cookie cutter, you know, IEPs that says like, you know, Tim has been identified with this, this, and this. He needs preferential seating in the classroom. So he sits in the front. Um, he gets, uh, you know, he has a little thing you have, the teacher has to fill out every day, let his parents know how he did in class, or he has, um, you know, his tests are modified and the, and the words are a little bit bigger and there's three choices instead of four choices. And it just get those get so tiring because it's not really dealing with like what that kid actually needs. So, you know, so on the low, sometimes like figuring out what more can you do for a kid? Maybe they read a graphic novel instead of like they read the graphic novel, the Odyssey instead of the actual book of the Odyssey. Maybe they read shorter portions. Maybe they're in, you can figure out a way for them to be in a class with fewer students or with students that are really, you know, cause sometimes you get a class of like kids that just are not an uplifting bunch. They're just sort of like apathetic about everything. And then you'll get a class where dudes really look out for one another. And I hundred percent have those two classes this year. And earlier in the year when we realized there was a student that was struggling, it was like, no, let's put them in here. And every time we have groups, we're going to put them with these guys because these guys are really great. They're going to look after them. They're going to challenge them. They're not going to allow them to sleep. And I think that, so my short answer is like, there's a whole lot of like sort of things that that schools often put in place to help special ed students. But I think it is really the teacher's job to kind of like, what are you like, what are we going to do more? How are we going to help this kid catch up? Because we don't have the resources or the reading specialist or whatever it is. What are we going to do to help that kid the best that we can? Um, So that that's what that looks like. It looks like all of us sitting around and really kind of coming up with plans that are going to suit that child and really help them to grow so that we can really meet them where they actually are um, and bring them up to where they could be, or at least bridging that gap as quickly as we can. What do we got? The future A is saying, nice uh, Game of Thrones little profile picture there too. Hello, Reynolds. I have an inclusive class in my first year teaching. Are there any tips on what you are? This, it, the, the comment section always moves like when you're reading. Are there any tips you would have with students with disabilities that interrupts learning consistently? Um, Some of my things that work the best. So I have a dude this year that has an extremely hard time sitting down. He has, he's on medication, but he doesn't take the medication all the time. He is, um, but he is like the most lovely child you could imagine like he really has a great heart. He just has a hard time sitting still. Right. And like schools, classrooms are like not where all kids should be. Like it's hard to be there sometimes. And, you know, I can't imagine what that's like to have that kind of like um, that inner lion kind of like wanting to run and roam free, but you're like, no, you will stay in the cage and you will stay still and you will be quiet and you will not, you know, and you will pay attention. It's like when that's, everything that kid can't do. So some of the things that I do is I help kids first acknowledge, like, look, let's call it what it is. You're having a hard time sitting down. Now what I can do is help you out with that, but 
but I need to be able to trust you 100% because if you're screwing around or if you're touching people, if you're being inappropriate, then I can't, I can't do this with you. So first I need 100% buy-in because I need you to be my dude, but that's going to help you also. And then I have um, a certain drawer on the side of my desk that has all the labels in it and everything is where it's supposed to be, like I said earlier. And that is that dude's drawer. This is where you get all of your supplies that you're going to need to help me. And then you sort of become my assistant in class in a lot of ways. Where like, if I'm passing things out, a lot of times this is my first guy that I go to. If I need something, run. If I need someone to run down and pick up my copies, you're my guy. You're going to go get them. But I need to trust you because you're going into the office. You're touching the copiers. Students aren't necessarily supposed to be in there, but I'm trusting you because you're my guy, right? So you're going to do this, and you're not going to screw it up, right? Um, if I need someone to step in the hallway with a student that I feel like is having a hard day, like depending on the kind of kid that I have, I could say like, Hey, can you just take this dude out and just check on him? See, see what's going on. Or, um, if I need any, whatever it is done, like the board cleaned or stuff picked up or whatever, this is my, my person that I get to do that. Now, what that does is it builds me leverage because now when I need you to be quiet and I need you to do something, because sometimes like, you can't be walking around the room reading, right? But you can lay on the floor or you can lay on the couch, window sills that kids lay on. And um, they, you know, I don't really care where you're doing what you're doing in my class so long as you're doing what I ask. But you're doing that respectfully and I see you trying. If I don't get that, if you can't get the work done that I need you to get done, you got to scrap the job, right? Like you can't, I can't have you doing that because now you're just getting to do the fun things. So you're building in that incentive and building leverage to then get the kid to do what they you need them to do. But then also be mindful, like chunk things. So for certain kids, I'll say, this is what I need you to do. It's literally going to take you three minutes if you focus on it. And after three minutes, even if you're not done, but I saw you working for that entire time, I'm going to allow you to do this instead. And you just get good at that. And they start being able to hone in like, okay, I can't sit still for 10 minutes but three minutes, I could probably pull that off, right? It's like when you start going to the gym, right? Don't go do like nine different things working out at the gym because um, that's daunting. And you are pretty sure you're not going to do it. So you're like, the hell with them, I'm not even going to the gym. But if you knew you had to go to the gym and do like one set on one exercise, all right, I can kind of like, I, I can win at that situation. So you're building in wins and you're making it extremely clear what this looks like. This is exactly what I need. I need this journal entry answered with five sentences and you're going to put periods and you're going to capitalize everything because if you don't, I'm not taking it. So I need it done well and it's going to be neat enough that I can read it. And then after that, I need you to run to this teacher and do this job. But I'm not going to let you do that if you don't do what I need you to do. And I think those sorts of things I've had a lot of success with in class and they really, really help. Um, and also builds in buying in the class where like the kid like takes ownership and they don't want to miss a day because they know like that's my dude. And when they do miss a day, I'm like, yo, we're like, I'm sorry you were sick, but come on, man. My alphabet ties and things by myself. I can't read. I'm an English teacher. Um, little space freckles. I haven't seen her on here in a while. Um, hey Reynolds, I'm a sophomore English major uh, secondary education in college. By the way, you were my inspiration to getting the courage to change my major from elementary ed to the major that it is. Fantastic. I hope it works out because if it doesn't, then you're going to blame me for being that inspiration. I'd rather that not happen. Um, now, I don't know if I remember 
Uh, you remember that, uh, but thank you anyway. I do remember speaking with you before. Um, I'm looking into summer jobs and was wondering if you had any suggestions for some cool ones that involve kids or English or both. So I would get in front of kids one way or another. The more you're in front of students, the more comfortable you're going to be around kids, the more um, you'll develop your skills in terms of like how to communicate with kids and how to like discipline kids if you need to, what kids are interested in, how they act, the goofy stuff that they do. You start learning those nuances earlier. You're just going to be better off. Um, I would also say, oh, I thought you were going to say something. Um, so see what, like, are there camps you could be a part of? Is there after school program? Could you teach summer school somewhere? Could you just be in a school doing something? So maybe going to local high schools and saying, or, or elementary schools, whatever you're teaching and saying, Hey, this is my situation. I'm in college. This is what I'm trying to do. And I just want to start like doing it now. Like it's my passion to do it. What can I do for your school? And you know, I, as a, if I were a principal and someone came in with that sort of passion and that sort of like tenacity for the job, hell yeah, man, I'd want to, I want to find something for you to do. Even if it didn't already exist, I'd be like, Oh, well, you know, there's a really challenging class and there's a teacher teaching this summer. Um, maybe you could help them uh, in class by like being an in-class support teacher sort of unofficially or an aide or something like that. Um, another thing you could do that I did a video for a while ago is there is a company called Dada ABC and I'll put that in the, in the show notes below also where, uh, so you can get a link to it. And that is, teaching from home, you're, you're teaching English to children in China. And apparently this is a huge thing in China. After I put the video, I heard from all kinds of folks that are doing this because it pays really good money, uh, like 20 to $30 an hour. You can literally do it with pajama pants on from your home and you get paid decent money and it's completely scripted. So you don't have to like come up with lesson plans. They know what you want to do. But that's also just like getting you in front of a kid. It's getting you um, out of your comfort zone a little bit. And maybe, you know, sometimes those sort of scripted lesson plans really benefit folks because it has them thinking in a way that they wouldn't have thought of before. Uh, and it's kind of like, you know, it might inform your lesson planning process when you start. So that's called Dada ABC. But there's a ton of different versions of that as well. Uh, that's just the one that I'm sort of affiliated with. Um, the little Louise, am I saying that right? I am starting a summer camp instructor job. I was talking about uh, this summer. What are your tips for keeping kids under control while still making the lessons and overall experience fun since it is summer camp? So there's a couple of things that you can do there. One, you have to have fun. If you're having fun, it will be contagious and the students will have fun. If you take time to build relationships, and what that could look like at a summer camp is like, even when you're off, you're visible, right? You're out in the camp. So when the kids, maybe you're getting off the bus and these are, I don't know the exact situation that you have, but I'm thinking in my head, I would want the kids to see me as soon as they show up and it's, and when they're leaving every day, I'm saying, hi, you're seeing that I'm pumped. I'm excited to be here. I'm glad that you're here. I'm, I'm letting invisible students feel visible. And then at the end of the day, I'm sending you off and I'm letting you feel good about the fact that like 
hey, man, you did a really great job today. Or look, yo, I heard saw when you like helped that dude out today. That was a big deal. And I want to just note that really quick as you get on the bus um, or making jokes to kids as they're as they're going. Something that's like just creating that little tiny connection um, that is going to create again, it's going to create leverage where like when they're in your group. They know who you are. They've seen you around. They like when you say good stuff to them. It fills them up with with a happiness that they maybe don't otherwise have, um, and that that helps you to win. I think the other thing is uh, not being afraid to be who you are. Right? Use your personality. If you are fun or silly naturally, use that to your advantage. If you are strict or very detail oriented naturally, let that win for you as well. Like your personality should shine through um, because then you're more authentic and kids can smell a fake a mile away. So it's important to be authentic when you're going into that. So um, what's that? Hands on projects. And the not so secret wife is saying hands on projects. I just talked to science kids at St. Joe's about that yesterday. I like my, my kids don't remember anything that was talked about in school ever when they come home. Hey, what'd you learn today? I don't know. Math. No, I, we talked about something. I don't remember what it was. But if they do, if they make a volcano, if they do an egg drop, if you know the canine unit comes into school and does a demonstration, my son can repeat everything that cop said, everything that dog did, every attribute that that dog has. But if they read about it, or if they just, or if there was a lecture about it, it's just gone. It's just gone into the atmosphere. So that kind of hands-on stuff really makes it fun as well. Uh, let's do two yeah, more. Yeah, we're going to finish. All right, all right. We're, gonna, we're coming to the end, but we have a couple more that the wife's saying um, I need to get to. Ashley Inspires is saying, question, I am a new teacher for high school health and PE. And wow, that's like something that's not required in Philly. So that's, that's interesting. Um, and I am – Come in at the beginning of the fourth quarter. I never taught before, and I do not have education background. Any advice? I look like a student. Um, man, Ash, could you have any more cards stacked against you? I would say this. One, go into the job knowing that you are coming in at the fourth quarter. Like, as soon as it gets nice out, kids turn insane. They just like something about the weather. I think that's why like deer it's i don't is it meeting season i don't know what it is but they just get like a little nutty because it's like you can actually go outside you can actually get fresh air you can open windows you're not locked down in your house and you've been playing Fortnite for the last four months not doing anything and now it's like oh let's go out and engage with humanity again so just have that grace look you might not crush it it might be very very difficult but if you're having fun with it, if you, like I said to the last person, if you're excited about what you're doing, if you can come up with something cool to do, and that enthusiasm is contagious amongst everyone, right? Like if you go anywhere and you have a really great conversation with someone or you're excited to be somewhere, it, it like rubs off on the people that are around you. Just like if you're a miserable curmudgeon in your life and you're around other folks, like you can help, you know, sometimes you can make those folks miserable as well. So I would just have grace for yourself, patience for the students, and then just go in and have the best time that you possibly can and be consistent, right? So if you are, if you have certain non-negotiables, be, you know, 
strict about what they are. So if you tell kids like when I'm talking, you're not talking, you have to 100% shut down the talking and like don't talk when they're talking or, you know, move someone to somewhere where they're going to be more successful so that they are listening to you. But that works a lot better than just like, um, like don't say, all right, these are the non-negotiables of the class. These four things, you have to be quiet when I'm talking, you have to be on time, you have to, whatever it is, you have to stick to those no matter what. Hold on to them for dear life and then just enjoy yourself. As long as kids don't catch on fire, I think you're going to be all right. And they don't really have fire in PE classes, so it should be all right. Um, Lydia Holland is saying, I'm in college to be an elementary teacher. To be an elementary teacher, people have people tell me I have to be strict with the students to gain their respect. How do you enforce rules and positive relationships with students? I am. I think strict can look a lot of different ways. I bought unicorns the other day from the dollar spot at Target that you put on your finger and you shoot them around the classroom. And when kids came in, that's what I was doing before the bell rings. I also bought a whole bunch of mustaches because my students, for some reason, like wearing fake mustaches. So I got a bunch of the dollar store. I just grabbed like a handful, brought them in, and everyone wore fake mustaches for the day. In a lot of classes, that doesn't look strict. It doesn't look um, professional. I'm sure if the wrong person walked in my room, it would not look professional. And somebody would inevitably say something to me. For me, though, it becomes a matter of I do those things for a reason. And what I'm trying to do is insert a little bit of silliness, a little bit of fun, a little bit of downtime, even for 30 seconds to a minute, um, really can change the, the feel of your classroom, you can really change the energy of your classroom. Because so many times, like all day, kids are told to sit down, shut up and do their work, right? And then you go to your next class and you're not allowed to play in the hallway. And you're not allowed to talk to people because you got to hurry up because you got to get to class. So you can get to your next class, you can sit down, shut up, and do the work. And that, like, I would want to do that. That sounds like the, the lamest day I could imagine. So if you go into a class and they're shooting unicorns around, everyone has a fake mustache on, I let the guys know, I'm doing this for a reason. Like, I'm 100% transparent. I get what your day could, could be like. Um, let's hit the reset button and let's, like, have fun for a second. But when I need to get started on work, Fun is interesting to me, but your success is the most paramount thing that we have. That like that is the most important thing to me. I want you to be successful. And so I'm silly so that you can be successful. So I can break the pattern of your day. So I can get you engaged in my class. So I can help you to kind of like be here and and forget about the fact maybe that you got in trouble in your last class or whatever. So very strict, but it's because I have certain things you're not allowed to not do. Don't take makeup work so if you, and or late work. So if you didn't do the assignment, it's gone, done. You you missed your opportunity. Um, if you you cannot, uh, I'm trying to think of other stuff. You cannot talk when I'm talking. Zero people. I will wait forever, or I'll remove you, or I'll put you out in the hallway for a moment, or I'll ask you to go get a drink, or whatever it is. But there's no talking when I'm talking. Um, and those, I'm a hundred percent like committed to those non-negotiables and it just helps. So figure out what your non-negotiables are or find a teacher in your school that you think is awesome. Ask them what their non-negotiables are. I, th- th- these could also be called rules. I just try and stay away from that word because it's 
someone said, how many non-negotiables do you have in a class? I, I have one. It is give. So largely my rule of my class is give respect, get respect. And what I talk to them about in the beginning of the year is, look, I could have a thousand rules. Like some teachers have a gazillion rules about things from um, no chewing gum, no cell phones. You have to keep your shoes on. You have to be in uniform. Um, you can't talk when I talk, all that different stuff. But I think by ninth grade, you've already been told all of those things. I think by the third period of the day, you've been reminded of those rules a thousand times. And really, I tell guys, like, if I called home and asked your mom if she raised a fool, she's probably going to say no. One in 10 will say yes. And they apologize that they raised a fool. And I shouldn't have done that. I wasn't thinking. Um, but kids know how they're supposed to act. They know what they're supposed to do. They know you shouldn't throw things across the room or touch other people or curse in public or whatever it is. Um, so I don't feel like I need to have all those rules in my class, but I just tell the kids it's because I trust you already because I'm already, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. And then I trust you until you give me a reason not to trust you. And then we have to have a conversation. So I have, you know, I probably have more non-negotiables than I think, but I just, um, I don't think of them like that. I don't have posters in my room with any like consequences on them or rules and stuff like that because I just don't think for me, I just found that I don't really, I don't like that. I don't like that to be the vibe. I don't like it to be the thing that you're looking at is this thing of like, are you doing something wrong? You shouldn't be just cell phone out, put it away. If it's not, it says on the poster, I'm going to take it till the end of the day. The kids already know you take your cell phone out in my class. I'm going to take it. I'm either going to lick my finger and wipe it on the screen. That's your first warning. Or I'm going to take that thing, wrap it in paper towels and duct tape and I'll give it back to you at the end of the day. It's hilarious. Um, Summer Hayward is asking, do you have any tips for a teacher who feels like they are an outcast as the teacher at we they are an outcast as the teacher at their school? I have a great relationship with my kiddos, but not my coworkers because they don't jump on the negative bus. Summer, that is hold on, that requires a sip of coffee a little bit. Word from our sponsor. Um that is one of the hardest things because you don't want to be there, right? You don't want to just like sit in teacher's lounge and like complain about stuff the whole day and like talk shit on students and like complain about the job or the pay or, you know, the size of your classroom. Like it is what it is. Would you get into a job that you think was going to make a lot of money and everyone's going to respect you? Like you're teaching kids that are trying to figure out who they are. So of course they're, you know, idiots sometimes. Of course they say dumb stuff. Of course they act out of, you know, as my students would say, like act out of pocket sometimes. Um, you just have to meet the kids where they are and like, and accept them for who they are, not for who you want them to be. So here's what I would do. I would find, even if it's, you have to find other teachers, right? It can't just be the students. And I think that could maybe start by going and observing classes. And so there's, you know, my hope, maybe there's not in, in your school just is a real, like, a bottomless pit of negativity. But my hope is that there's at least one teacher in the school, right? That like gets down with kids that likes what they're doing. Maybe they're not the same discipline as you, right? So they teach science and you teach English. Maybe they teach a different grade. Maybe they are super old or they're super young or they're super weird. No one likes to talk to them because that dude is weird because look at him. He has orange pants on every day. Like he lives in Holland or something like that. Because I don't know. People in Holland love orange. Um, 
So, right, didn't the Heimrich love orange all the time? So, uh, you know, find that one person that you can get down with. And then here's what I would do. Next year, when the new crop of teachers comes in, you make it a point to introduce yourselves to them and see if they kind of like want to be brought into your your little group, right? And you don't, you don't have to make it like that, like it's a cult or something like, oh, would you like to come, you know? I hear you. <laughs> My wife is trying to make me use proper language instead of calling things cults. Um, she's saying it's the fold, which sounds cultish. Is that the name of your cult? Yeah. The fold. Um, <laughs> so, so what I do is I go around the beginning of the year and I just see like, hey, man, I saw that you're new. We're all going out for lunch after PD in the beginning of the year. You want to come to lunch for us or you want to go grab coffee with us? And then if they seem like they would be a good fit, you're sort of like building your crew over time. And then that is, gosh, that is like one of the most important things to have because when you have a really shitty day to be able to go to someone's classroom and like sit down and like just express how hard it is. Or if something awesome happened, you can go to someone and you're not going to feel like they're going to like look down at you or be like, oh, what, what do you, look at you. What are you trying to be teacher of the year? Yeah, I'm trying to be teacher of like everyone's lifetime, man. I want to be like in a good lifetime movie. Don't trash people all the time. That was not a very good metaphor at all. Okay. But I think that's that's a good one. Sorry, there's, my wife's making me There's a ton more questions that you're just never going to get. Okay, because I talked for too long. Yeah. Um, just call that person up. So EP three hundred one. Hey, I'm usually just a lurker in these things, but I just wanted to say that I love your vlogs. I sometimes watch them on my lunch breaks in my classroom when I need uh, pick me up or motivation. Thanks a lot, man. I'm like, I, I don't know if you're a man or a woman from your name, but uh, I am happy to do it. And, you know, I I just think I want it. That's the whole reason I started this channel is to put out content that was going to engage people and, and would like scratch an itch that I wish existed when I first started teaching. Because um, too often we are in our room alone and it's like a hard day and you just need someone to talk to or to listen to. To help you out, so I'm glad to be that person for you. Got one more? No, there's two men. There's a bunch. Okay, I'm just gonna. I don't know. Maybe this is all nighter. I have no idea what's going on. Usually hit at an hour, but uh, but at some point I do have to pack for my trip tomorrow. Um, and our kids went. What do you got? Nothing. Oh, oh, she's cutting off. So here's what I'm gonna do. If you have a question, I did not get your question. Please email me. I'm gonna be sitting in the airport for a very long time tomorrow. And I'm going to clean up all the emails I have. I'm going to get back to as many comments as I can and all the DMs that pile up. Because those things pile up, man. It's hard. So here's what I want for you this week. If you're leading into spring break, please finish strong, right? Find something to do. But know that children are insane and they're going to lose their minds this week. Um, and if you're getting back from spring break, I hope you feel energized. And I hope you're ready for the for this last kind of leg of the year. Um it's nice out. Plan a class trip or something, man. Like, do something nice. Have some folks over and, and chill. But uh, or go to Belize. I mean, we'll be in Belize. If you're there, let me know. Maybe we can hang out. Um, but I hope your year finishes strong. And I hope your spring break is fantastic. And I hope that this week is a great one for you. Thanks a lot for watching. Like, there's people watching right now. And I really, really appreciate it every week. So thanks, guys. Peace. Awkward ending where I find the industry button. That's it. Later. 
And that's it for this week, gang. Look, if you ever want to have your question answered on Sunday Night Teacher Talk, all you have to do is show up at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on my YouTube channel, Real Rap with Reynolds, and I'd be happy to answer any question that you put out there. Nothing is off the table. Thanks so much for your support. We really, really appreciate it. And I hope you have a great week. Peace.